What's going on, everybody? This is your co host, Dan, and you are listening to another after school episode on the Distract Head podcast. Today, we speak with a special guest, Andrew Moon, who is currently in Chicago after a significant life change. Now, he's going to tell us about his turbulent journey up to this point, starting with his decision to become an engineer. To his experience at his first job in Texas. Also, the ups and downs, really, the unhealthiness this job had to himself and the impact it had on his personal life. More interestingly, though, how his background and culture played a part in him staying in that position for a long time before he learned to say no and was able to find a healthy place in life, a healthy place in his career. And bring some happiness to him finally. After all of this, what did he learn and hope to learn more of in the future? Well, come join us and find out. And I hope you enjoy this episode. The Distract Head Podcast. It is the Distract Head Podcast. Andrew, um, you're out in Chicago. How's that, man? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Chicago's good. It's cold, but it's good. <laughs> Dude, how uh, cold is it there? It's like fucking freezing, isn't it? Like compared to Dallas where I live or like, yeah, yeah or San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's colder than you think here, man. Oh, really? Surprisingly, yeah. Really? Yeah. Does yeah, it actually, does, does the weather actually fluctuate or is it like pretty much the same all year? It fluctuates, especially in my neighborhood where I'm in the East Bay. Summers can get up to 90s. Um, okay. like in the daytime and then it'll yeah. get down to like seventies in the evening. So all in like the mm-hmm. same day. Okay. And just, there's like, just yeah. like, yeah. it's like negative 30 here uh, <laughs> and windy. Over there. It, was, it was snowing last night. And then I was also thinking, I, I, I was looking at the weather today. And like, I think tomorrow it's going to be in the negatives. Like it's great. Damn. Yeah, damn. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't miss that level of cold. It's on a different level. Like here, I walk outside in a t-shirt in like 60 degree weather and people look at me like I'm crazy. Um but in Michigan, if I did that, I would probably freeze immediately. It would be like when you throw water into the air and it just like <laughs> freezes like right away. That that'd be my ass. <laughs> yeah. But like San Francisco, people who live in SF, that that's what an hour away from me. Those homes don't even have AC because it doesn't get like that hot. Over. What? Wow. Wow. The weather is r- like drastically different between just San Francisco and where I live. Have y'all seen the movie Don't Look Up? I finally no. saw it. I yeah, Dude, I, I, just it. Watched, I just finished it yesterday, but we should talk about that at some point. Andrew, you should watch that. But it's, it's actually, very. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I actually. Um, Got rid of like all of my subscriptions. Like, wow. Oh, lin- minimalist lifestyle. Is that what you're going for? Uh, yeah, I want to try to. We'll see how it goes. Wow. Got uh, it. That's like the opposite of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's interesting. We should talk about that later because I did that oh, for okay. a while, even my first few years of marriage as well. Oh. And, oh. Then, and then when I had a kid, we signed up for like everything. <laughs> how do we occupy this child <laughs> oh man got it interesting so we talked about the weather which is like what old people do so welcome welcome to the club <laughs> um wait so uh how did you where did you start right like yeah. where did you go to school and then uh how did you end up in dallas because that's where you and i met yeah yeah um so just a little bit about me. I went to school at Iowa State University, studied electrical engineering. Um, and then after school, I moved to Texas because I got a job living in Texas the past four years. That's also where I met Brian. And then now recently, like a few months ago, I moved to Chicago. Um, I actually grew up around here. So um, it's nice to be close to my family and friends I grew up with in the area. So that's been really good for me. But I think Really, it was just um, more so focusing on myself and like really like rejuvenating myself. Um, and I, I guess just to give a blanket breakdown, kind of in a way, 
went through like a quarter life crisis recently. Um, quarter life crisis. <laughs> that seems, you know, it's funny. I hear a lot these days. Like, I, I wonder how that happened. Well, I mean, I have my theories, yeah. but it'd be interesting right. to hear, like, because you, how long ago did you graduate from school? Like, from your undergrad? Uh, it's just undergrad, right? Yeah, I think a, a little little over four years ago or something like that but yeah got it i i didn't i didn't mean it to say like just undergrad as if that's not an accomplishment i'm just wondering <laughs> because you're, i mean i can see it uh, listeners can't see it but the background that you have it looks very nice and it seems like, <laughs> like kind of the dream type of type of work that you'd be doing to live in a place where you can fight crime from uh, <laughs> seeing the city <laughs> yeah, it looks like something from spider-man yeah it does look like it's either spider-man or batman yeah, but i, I yeah. feel like uh, i feel like you might fit more of the spider-man profile <laughs> <laughs> the cool spider-man but anyway <laughs> yeah so how did how did uh um so you said five years ago um yeah. yeah yeah how did you end up in dallas man like that's from iowa and what what the hell like wait how did you go from yeah. chicago to i'm actually iowa? curious about that like, like yeah. how did you end up in iowa that's not that's a big oh, difference yeah. from chicago and like mm-hmm. why engineering why engineering oh boy man we're, we're going pretty far back pretty deep oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay man so that's that's a pretty good question i've been asking myself that a lot lately too <laughs> why engineering <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, no. I mean, honestly speaking, engineering. I mean, like sciences in general have been interesting to me. My forte. Uh, my dad is always like super into seeing what's the latest and greatest like tech coming out. And um, like when I was a little boy, like in junior high, he helped me build my first computer. So we built it together. That was like a really mm-hmm. fond memory I had with my dad, and I, I wanted to like learn more about like. The electronics and I guess I'm going a little off topic, but my dad kind of has his own business and he's always kind of worked around technological things. So that's just kind of been in my environment growing up. And, and in that way, I think it really piqued my interest more so. Is in he engineer. an engineer? Is he an engineer? No, my, my dad's like a whole another story. It obviously had an influence on like what you decided to do, right? So yeah. And, and my mom just, Mothers, you know, they have a feeling. She said, you know, I think you should be an engineer. Maybe also it's like an Asian thing too. Like, so mm-hmm. I've been kind of breaking that down lately. Like, did I really be an engineer because I was genuinely interested in being an engineer, interested in like math and sciences, or is it because like my parents thought it's a good job for my life and, mm-hmm. and a, you know, and, and that whole like breakdown is just also so linear. I felt that like, you know, I go to school, you go, you go to, you know, junior high, high school, college, maybe get a master's. After that, find a job. And after that, climb the corporate ladder. And it just felt super linear to me. And I, you know, for the most part of my life, I've been kind of following those steps and, you know, kind of in line with that molded path already. And so, like, those are the kind of things I've been kind of processing and breaking down for myself as well to, like, think, Am I really, truly doing something I enjoy or is it just something like maybe my parents ingrained into me or society ingrained into me to think this is the path I need to be on? Um, But that's besides the point. So a little bit about like going into Texas. I mean, yeah, so um, luckily I got a pretty solid job with a big electrical engineering company. Um, they, They actually make a lot of technology. I mean, that goes into... Pretty much anything and everything. Um, any electronics that you have, they, it's going to need some power. It's going to need, you know, something to drive the data. It's going to need a lot of supporting, um, you know, chips, essentially, um, beyond, you know, just what you may know about, like, a graphics card or just a, a CPU. Like, there, there needs to be a lot of other supporting infrastructures. And so they make, you know, they make a lot of money that way. Um, and I actually worked... I actually worked in a couple different positions, but more recently in my position, I was doing design verification, working on um, semiconductor chips that went into electric vehicles that monitored and protected batteries. Um, and these chips were insanely complicated. They're, they're not just, it sounds simple, but it's, it's just as complicated as, um, as like a, a CPU or GPU. Um, 
level, my my opinion. Um, but I, I hated my job. <laughs> I, I grew up thinking I never want to sit in front of a desk and code eight hours a day. And uh, here I am. That's what I was doing at TI. And I absolutely hated it because my personality, I, I'm very extroverted. I like to work with people. Um, mm. And that really just didn't align. And on top of that, on top of that, unfortunately, my, I, I don't mean to speak too, too ill of, my previous company or employers, but my, my boss is pretty toxic to me and my team. There's not something that I could really, um, really process in a healthy way. And COVID didn't help with that. So, uh, so yeah, I started to look for a new job last time. So, so I'm curious, um, you said you're extroverted and the, and the work you were doing, you're pretty much in front of a desk. You think it would have made a difference if let's say your manager wasn't as toxic? Like if oh, your manager yeah. was better, would you still be able to sit and do that eight hour desk job? Like, well, not desk mm-hmm. job, but like sitting in front of a desk designing. Yeah. No, cause, cause it's still science and technology you're doing. Would that, yeah. Would that be good enough. You think? Yeah. I, so, I mean, uh, from a technical perspective, it was a, it was a really interesting job and very deep into the design and um from that aspect i I learned a lot um, my fundamental like electrical engineering skill set um and that was very interesting to me but it was and 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 that job just as a baseline i think is was good for me to kind of start off my career in a sense but um that was probably the only part of the job that i i i was genuinely interested in i think um, learning, you know, those new kind of concepts and 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 pursuing these technical logical advances. Um, but I think, you know, yeah, that environment that I was in um, definitely was not was not it. And if if it was different, I probably would have been willing to put up with it a little bit longer. Um, but then again, that circles back to the question of, you know, did, did I do I really genuinely enjoy what I'm doing? Am I doing it because my mother told me to as I was growing up because I wanted to. Um, but I don't know about you guys. I mean, maybe have you guys, you know, felt that way about your jobs or how you may have every been? job, <laughs> <laughs> every job I get into. Now I was going to ask you like, um, cause Dan, it was kind of a, it was kind of a follow-up question from Dan. Cause that's kind of been my experience too, right? It's like a job is cool until you get to a point where you're like, this shit kind of sucks. And then you're just being pushed to do more of the same uh, because you become like so efficient at it. And then yeah, yeah. maybe uh, uh, get as far as like stuff I do, which is like I automate a lot of it and then try to move on to the other, another thing. But there's nowhere to go like in, in most companies. I mean, yeah. they put they put that that burden on the person that's doing the work is to find where to go, right? And then they mm-hmm. kind of, there, there's I, what I've experienced anyway is like, there's a lot of politics involved when you're transitioning between like different teams and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. to your face, they'll be like, Oh yeah, no, like uh, absolutely take every opportunity that you get. Right. And then behind closed doors, they're, they're speaking differently. Yeah. Right. So yeah. It, it's not, it's, it's all very like kind of, I wouldn't call it necessarily PC, but it's dishonest. Right. Cause they're they're It's double, double speak. Right. So they say something different than what they actually mean. Um, and then they put that burden on you to do something about that. Right. Uh, which is either leave or whatever. But I, I don't think companies do a good job of um, actually building that uh, for the people that are there because they don't work for you. They work for investors. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of um, the reality that they don't actually share because there's a lot of that type of pressure to perform that way, which doesn't leave a whole lot of time to do the other thing. So not making excuses for them. I actually think it needs to be part of it. And it's just a lot of companies aren't like, they don't even understand like how to begin to do that. Um, yeah. So, but how is your, like, what is your thoughts on that? Like, did you have like the, the stuff, say for example, like when you first left school, right. And then you, 
went into the field like isn't school supposed to be the thing like wasn't that did, isn't that what what you I, that's what i thought so i'm asking you is that what you thought like wasn't school supposed to be the thing that trained you to get into the place to do the thing <laughs> isn't it right like I, I, that, yeah. that was the impression that i had but that was a long time ago i know that's like complete bullshit now but yeah yeah what was your experience with that i think i would say processing some of that um I, I, I think I could genuinely say for myself when I came to college and my experiences in college, they, they were, uh, it helped, it really shaped me into the person I am today. It really helped me grow and have an open mind to, uh, well, a lot of different things in life beyond my career as well. Um, but just, you know, simple concepts like learning how to learn or, or being disciplined enough to, to take care of myself and, you know, eat healthy or go to the gym. You have to, you have to be responsible for yourself. And I think, I think really it, it, it kind of kicks you, kicked me into gear at least, um, to do those things. Uh, I, I can't say it's the same for everybody. Obviously it's different, but in terms of like raw education and skills and, and soft skills or technical skills required for jobs, I, I don't think school is particularly necessary. Uh, <laughs> I feel like my that opinion seems of like, that like a common has, theme <laughs> has changed a lot because I think once I started working, I realized, yeah, there were some fundamental things I, I learned at school that that was necessary for my job. But again, I would I feel like there are some things on the job that I I just learned on the job, and some of the things that are day to day, you know, aren't necessarily difficult. You know, they're not like. You're not solving problems every day. You're not solving like mathematical problems every day. Like, you know, what is X or whatever? It's it's like tracking, tracking. You know, emails sometimes. Something simple as emails or just meetings. So, yeah, I don't think school is necessarily it these days. Maybe, but, but yeah, I don't I, yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I think um, school like puts you in a position where you have to do some of that stuff rather than actually teaching you how to do some of that <laughs> stuff, which is a very different thing. Um, yeah. And because every individual person is so unique, there's no real like blanket thing that you can like teach to someone that works for every single person. And it gets pretty granular, but like some of the fundamental stuff, like, you know, like how to deal with finances, how to set goals, like how to do, you know, like yeah. things that humans need to decide individually, like that yeah. stuff they don't really teach at school. Um, and, and I think that, that may be changing. Like I hear some courses and things like that are out there as more or less of an elective. I, I don't know that. It, I don't it, think it should be. So, so they did have that elective. Like I, I took it. Oh, you did? Okay. Called, yeah. I mean, they have a, a personal finance class, but mm. it's not required. Right. And you have to yeah, know it's yeah. there. Yeah. And it was actually very valuable to the point, like you're saying, Brian, it did teach me certain things that, oh man, like I'm so thankful it did. Mm. But once again, like I only took it because someone else was like, we should take this class and we need to, we need a credit over the summer. I was like, sure. And it was one of the most valuable classes, but it'd be nice if it was required. Yeah, if classes like that were actually required, that yeah. would be like that's actually part of your gen ed. Like that would be much yeah. more valuable, I think. I don't think I know because I didn't take that class mm -hmm. <laughs> and had to figure that one out yeah. on my own too afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like when so you mentioned that your like boss was toxic. So did yeah. was it the same boss the entire time? Or was it I don't know. um Yeah, just my just just my boss uh, Oh, oh yeah. have, so, I think all of us have experienced yeah. at one point working yeah. for someone that's like a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and, and oftentimes they don't even know that, like they don't even yeah, realize yeah. Uh, that they're, they're very like true. a fucking asshole. So yeah. I was just curious, like what was your experience with that? Um, yeah. That led you. Cause we all have to navigate that shit somehow because I don't think yeah. it's sustainable given like the market that we have today to even like even For be sure. afford to even be an asshole, right? Like, yeah. I mean, no one's, sh <laughs> there's better ways to like communicate rather than just yeah. like dumping your fucking trauma onto other people. Yeah. But 
Yeah, that's exactly what's happening, right? And they don't even know. <laughs> so I was wondering what your experience was with that. Like, yeah. So um, right, actually, right after I quit, I like it was some ways to process like my feelings towards quitting that whole that whole state of mind. I kind of like vented in my own way, and like I, I wrote down a quick list of like twenty different bullet points of things like my boss did that were like either toxic or just emotionally riled me up in different ways. Just to name a couple off the top of my head. I think some of the things he did was like, he would like compare people. He would be like, Oh, so-and-so found this bug. Why, why didn't you find this bug, Andrew? And I, it's not like something I can know off the top of my head. Um, I need a few minutes to look into like what happened here, where this bug even came from and how it relates to me, you know, or, um, there was at one point where I had a basically like several weekly meetings and um, that ended up kind of becoming like sync up sessions. And at one point I had three weekly meetings with my boss, um, which ended up kind of being one-on-ones. And whenever we didn't have those weekly meetings, the other two days, he was still calling me and asking me how much work I got done. So pretty much I got checked on every single day to see how much work I've gotten done every day. And I was just, it was horrible. Like during COVID, it was, it was horrible. I'm, I'm at home. He pretty much kind of half expected me to work like not only the nine to five, but like insane. I would, I would work insane hours. I'd work nine to five, eat lunch, maybe rest for a little bit, but I'm like mentally exhausted. And then I work from like nine to midnight or nine to 1 a.m. for like many months. And it took me a while to, to realize I was in a toxic, like, situation and then even longer for me to like take action on it and realize and that's a whole nother story i had a couple friends kind of sit me down and had like a deep like heart to heart and be like yo like where are you at like with life and and, and we see these things that are like affecting you negatively you know um and they're like encouraging me to like well basically Wait, so find my other, job. People, other people noticed like people oh, outside yeah. of work noticed and then was like hey yeah um, we can see your your waifu pillow and it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we think you should find the things to do. <laughs> like maybe not work until, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. 1 a.m. Um, yeah. Was it like an everyday thing? Uh, almost pretty much like an almost like an everyday thing. I, I, I can yeah. tell for, I can tell you from experience. I know that it's not sustainable, like in yeah. any degree like because no. you you mentioned that you didn't realize it at first but then what got you to re- like what was it that that kind of clicked outside was it just <laughs> your friends that intervened and was like hey um we need to talk because like, what you're doing uh, right now. yeah yeah that's a good question their intervention really sped up my like thought process into like wanting to quit but there was one specific day where i really like couldn't have it and this specific day was when my boss within like the nine to five Time frame, he called me 10 separate times, 10 separate phone calls that were asking about whatever it was that he was asking me about. He would either be like, he'd find some issue that relates to me. He'd find like a few different issues that related to me, he needed to call me that day up and tell me. There's another deliverable I had to bring to him towards the end of the day, middle of the day. So he's asking me about that. And I don't know how, but we had. 10 separate individual phone calls, at least like five minutes each. Some of them were probably like 10, 15 minutes at least. And, and like, I was at a point with my boss for like every phone call, every meeting leading up to the meeting phone call, meeting or phone calls or after it, I had to like take some time to mentally de-stress or process before I could actually start working again. So it was just like a whole, a whole thing. And at the end of the day, I was just like, what the heck just happened? I looked at my call log, 10 calls. And it's like, I can't believe it. Like who needs to call someone 10 times? My parents don't even call me 10 times throughout a week. Like who, who calls someone a single, within a single day, 10 separate times. That was just ridiculous. Like I've never experienced it. So that was the point for me where I'm just like, I need to do something. I don't want, I shouldn't, this is not the environment that I can thrive in. It's not the environment that that's healthy for me. I, I need to do something. And the toxicity was a huge motivator for me to start interviewing and find, find a new job. 
Did you provide that feedback to the company though? Like whether it was like an exit interview? Uh, oh God, I can only or, imagine. Or, or was it, did you ever consider reporting and whether that would have done something or not? Like did you yeah. ever consider reporting that? I mean, you, you physically had evidence of 10 phone calls on your phone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever seen like a management training. Yeah. But like, that's usually part of a harassment training that he has to take. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I don't think to, it goes into that type of detail. Like I, that yeah. was kind of where we were talking about, like assholes don't realize that they're, they're assholes. Like, because yeah. they've, they've justified it to themselves. Like whatever they're doing is like, okay, because they should. Right. Yeah, um, and I, and I'm not I, defending him. And I'm saying like, he doesn't know that he's a prick. Yeah. <laughs> he's like that's it's like that's the trauma dumping type of shit that i'm talking about that's like anxiety right yeah like that, that's what yeah. i see because i see that all the time yeah yeah no, and, and i don't mean like like actually confronting him right yeah, yeah. he probably like, doesn't I wouldn't know do that but yeah, like it was someone that's unaware but, but like telling hr at a certain point right if you're gonna leave anyways right, right. so a couple couple quick things first of all my my boss is super shocked like he didn't expect me to leave at all and I was, I was a pretty <laughs> fundamental person on our team. Our team, I, I, I'm very surprised to hear that they're still operating in some way, the capacity, but as, I, I, I kind of made the infrastructure for my team. So it, I knew that it would be kind of difficult for them to replace me in a way. So, so my boss was very surprised. And then on top of that, I mean, he even asked me to stay longer, which I immediately said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gave him my two weeks, you know, and, and during the two weeks, um, wrapping up, he's like, I need to have a meeting with you every single day to, to know what you were doing and then kind of make sure we have like uh, a proper transition out, whatever, which is ridiculous to me. But I was like, whatever. And uh, he, he, he made it sound so serious, but we didn't, he, he didn't even show up to half those meetings. So I was like, okay, clearly this wasn't needed, but whatever. Um, and then, you know, as we're leaving, uh, as I was leaving, I was, I was talking to my boss a lot and, you know, in a way I kind of lied to them. I kind of was saying, you know, I just really wanted to move to Chicago, which I did, but it wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't necessarily my priority per se. And then when they kind of try to reach the deeper, I said, oh, you know, it's the workload. I just, I, it's not really not for me and I, I can't handle pressure or whatever. But the real reason is just because I, don't want to deal with my boss. Um, I think kind of deep inside he knew. I didn't want to really say it, but you know, deep inside, I'm sure he kind of knew. And as we're getting to the final days of me leaving, I realized like, I realized that I didn't talk to HR. I've only talked to my boss and I talked to my boss's boss a little bit. And, and their reasoning was thinking it's like personal that I'm leaving, right? That's what they put it put down on whatever record. And I told my boss, I'm like, do I like, need to have an exit interview with HR. Like, you know, I asked him that and he's like, no, it's pretty much left up to me or whatever. And in my head, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, that's weird. I don't know why, but that's like, that's their loss. You know, my opinion, like that's the company, their company's loss to like not pay attention to why there's turnover, why people are leaving. Like the real reason is because of toxic bosses, toxic work culture that goes way up the chain, I'm sure. And, and I never got a chance to express that to, to them, which I don't, I don't take, I don't think of it as my responsibility to tell them anyways, like if they want to hear it genuinely, then I'll give it to them. But I didn't think it was appropriate for me to really tell my boss, honestly, I didn't, you know, like I, I, I think he knew. So like, and I, I kind of gave him that sense. I didn't directly tell him I'm leaving because of you, but mm-hmm. you know, I gave him the sense and then. They took it however way they took it. And um, if that's the way they want to take their feedback as people are leaving, uh, unfortunately, that's on them. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's okay. Like, there, there's no obligation for you to have to, like, tell your boss or anything like that. Like, your Xbox. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Like, HR, I when I talk to people that are up the chain of command, because I'm in a place where I feel comfortable enough to, like, say whatever the fuck I want. So when I tell them like, Hey, what you don't realize is that most people they leave without telling you why 
like they might say they're going to go to another company and you're like, oh, we need to bet. We need better marketing for recruiting. And I'm like, no, you need to take care of the people that are here um, mm-hmm. because that's the reason why they're leaving. Right. And yeah. not only that, but I'll, I'll ask certain, like they, they stop inviting me to certain meetings because I'll ask questions like, so how are you measuring performance? <laughs> uh, like, how do you determine like who's qualified? Right. Yeah. So I, I'll ask them questions like that. And it's not things that people really think about deeply. Right. But my job is to like measure stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, I'll tell you straight up, like it doesn't, it's not easy. Like, and it's not easy, not because it, there's a technical problem. It's like a people problem. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty, uh, uh, like I haven't worked at a place where I haven't seen this problem. Like, at the entire company scale and the whole idea that like oh well you know it's it's the individual person's responsibility to tell me um no the fuck it isn't <laughs> like, like you give them access to every single thing that they're using and anything that they do on the thing that you gave them access to you have records and logs of i mean that's required by law like it's uh you need to have that stuff right unless now, except for like personal information where you got to get rid of that if someone asks to get rid of it. But, you know, it's it's a perception of, uh, uh, in my mind, it's a perception of like, it's not my job. Or people people rationalize it themselves to say that, you know, it's it's not my fault, right? Like I didn't do anything. But when and a lot of people that are in positions of authority don't realize that the authority that they have, like to actually call the shots um yeah and i honestly think that that people that are unaware like they they are not self-aware should not be uh in any positions of authority um because they'll never be able to reflect on the decisions that they've made right they they're just uh, literally the cog and that's typically what i see i agree that like it's not your responsibility to tell them but there have been times too where it's pretty it's pretty crazy, man. Like where I, I'll like talk to some coworkers and I'll be like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna report some of this stuff." And you know, this was a, this mm-hmm. this like certain events didn't happen to me, but it's happened to other people. And I would talk to them and I'd ask them like, "Hey, is it cool if like I collect these stories and we go and mm-hmm. talk to someone to help us?" Like the fact that I'm collecting stories means that none of us were talking about this to anybody for a long time. And, uh, I, d- fuck nobody, nobody, except for like the one person, like one person in that incident, uh, uh, or a series of incidents actually backed me. Like everybody else was like, yeah. no, I got, I got this to take care of. And, you know, I, I need this job. And, and that was the fear. And it's, yeah. it's absolutely, it's absolutely justified. Like it's, it's wild the way that, that it's set up because it's an antiquated system that doesn't even work anymore. And we, we don't even like, we have transparency into it, but no one's doing anything with that transparency. Like we have the ability to see it, but everybody's still just going based on like, Oh, I like this person or I don't like this person or Andrew does a lot of work. So I'm just going to dump everything on him because he seems like he can handle it. Right. And he never said anything. So it's not my fault. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Like let's, let's contextualize a little bit about like, where we're living here and, and so, you know, how we're working and what we're doing. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of... Let me, let me yeah. pick your brain a bit. I just have a question, kind of. So, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned basically, you know, to, to, like, you basically mentioned, like, hiring managers or people um, that are, yeah, that are in, like, management positions. It'd be best if we could find people that are maybe emotionally aware and socially aware of... of of their colleagues and their subordinates. Um, how do you think, well, what do you think would be like the best way for a company to go about doing that? You know, I think, I feel like most companies kind of reward employees that are performing well, typically, and have those well-performing employees move up the chain of management. What's performing well? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, like what's, okay. what's, what, is, what is good performance? So yeah, that's a good question. How how does a company do that? You actually sit down and get to know the person. <laughs> the, I don't think a company is willing to invest that, which is why I'm like, yeah, this whole thing is kind of uh, the way that things are set up is is very like kind of 
no offense, then supply chain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a supply chain type of approach where it's like, who can we get? When can we get them? What do they know? What can they do? Is that good? Okay. If we got mm-hmm. them, have they, do they have the experience? Have they ch- checked all the boxes? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I like them enough off the 30 minute to one hour that I spoke with them? Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe a day, right? Like I can fake being a nice person for a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's the way to, in my mind, right. Uh, to, to counter doing that or to counter that issue uh, is to actually get to know the person. But for that to be possible, you have to open up your door, right? And you have to let people come in and come up with a, a system or a program that enables you to learn that so that you can understand how people work and how people work and your interactions with them and what they try to do. Like give them a mock project for like three months. But who the fuck is going to interview someone for three months? How do you select them, right? So it's like this entire shift in the way that you approach things because you can't ever just narrow something down to like a 30-minute, one-hour thing. But are you going to invest that amount of time um, and cost and effort? I actually think you should because the amount of cost that has to have people like that in in a company is way more than how much it would cost to do like a three-month thing for people that you've selected based on who you think is qualified, right? Um, to do like a three-month project, you you uh, uh, chunk it in a way where it's like actually attainable in three months, right? And then you have them manage a team. Like that's that that would be, in my mind, the best way to actually create a program or a system to be able to determine how somebody operates rather than having this like, hey, let me look at your resume and all the things that you said you did, maybe, <laughs> right? And let me and that you that if you know and you are are knowledgeable how the system works, like you just read the job description and then started writing down all the things that you've done that fit with every single one of those things in the job description. That's a life hack, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's it's so it's so ridiculous that that that's that the current approach is the approach. But because people haven't seen the return, like the model of that doesn't necessarily exist except for when you see smaller companies that have been around for a while, that's created from people that have some sort of relationship with each other or they know friend of a friend. And that's how like a lot of these smaller organizations tend to come together where you already know the people that are around you and you already know that they're kind of accountable and you have a relationship and that, that sort of thing. Right versus the way it's now so that's my i mean that's yeah. just one out of like probably a billion ways yeah. to do it but so uh, you know what makes brian's suggestion like what he's saying i like fully agree with and, and just so you know andrew like i've i i'm in a management position <laughs> for a while oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I think how Brian puts it is like would be almost like perfect, but it's really hard. It's really hard to do that. And also the person who's doing the hiring has to be a certain personality to execute that style. And there are definitely managers out there who I I don't care. As long as you kiss my ass, I'm going to take you up with me. Right, like, yeah, right? like oh we're all that we're people, right? And and a lot of people are selfish. And to be a good manager, the type of manager that we're describing requires a certain level of selflessness that you need to have more than probably others to be qualified to be a good manager. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like you said, it seems like all the people who work hard move up and so the really aggressive ones that try to hit goals and try to shine above their peers and want to move up are usually more selfish right they're not as selfless so it's really tough and especially your company the situation of 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 where your company's at plays into this like if your company's doing great Mm -hmm. and you're growing really fast and you yeah. need people to help with this increasing workload so you can and, and then on top of that, what Brian added about let's say you're a public company on top of that, and yeah. you need to show your shareholders value 
Like you don't have time. You're just trying to get bodies in and you're looking at a resume and you're like, oh, this guy says he or she managed the team before or started a team and did this and that and they accomplished all this and you have 30 minutes to figure out if any of that is true or, <laughs> or are they just writing down the credit they took from someone else, right? Like, yeah, for right? Yeah. That, and it's just like, all right, the best I have is what they wrote down and I have to take a leap of faith and and you end up with someone poisonous in the position. And it, it's a lot harder to get rid of someone, right, than to mm-hmm. hire someone. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's a really tough, tough thing in, in, in the working environment like we have. Like, I guess, I don't want to blame capitalism, but yeah, <laughs> being a public company, like, yeah, it, it yeah. makes and, it really and the pressure- hard. Yeah, and that the public company thing, the pressure actually comes from uh, engaged investors, not like your passive, just you know, yeah. buying and selling. It's it's like the people that are are analysts, like asking questions during you know quarterly you know reporting calls and that sort of stuff. Like when when I sit in those calls and I listen to like what people are asking, they don't understand the technology, they don't understand like the the idea behind it. What, what they understand is the relationships and what other companies that this company is doing business with and all this other stuff, like what partnerships, what marketing uh, do you have? Like what direction do you want to go? And it's like always this very abstract, um, very high level stuff. And that's why you're able to obscure it and just say pretty much fucking whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's up to everybody else, like with, with, whether they want to believe you or not. And sure, you got to get some of those things down in like documents and stuff. But I mean, <sighs> what people say and then what shows up in the documents don't always line up either. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I, I personally feel like the, the culture altogether actually needs to change, but we'll see that when that happens. Right. Cause some of us are, are working on it and there is also a a legal aspect to being a public company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it legal? I guess there's like a rule. (laughs) Where if you're a public company, you have to do what's best for your shareholders value, like your business decisions. Like if you don't do that as like the CEO, like that's justification to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's set up in a way where you have to keep the shareholders happy. And if you have to pick between your shareholders and there's a contradicting thing that'll make your employees unhappy, One's going to get you fired and the other isn't, you know what I mean? So like being a public company does drive you to prioritize your shareholders being happy and executing and working your employees like, like freaking dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, part of the problem again is that like the shareholders aren't informed. So, and there's also like different shit that happens like class action lawsuits and stuff. Whenever you start, whenever you start seeing, you know, things not pan out, uh, however, for whatever reason, um, whether it was because of a strategy or not. So there's, I mean, yeah, so the, the system exists, the one that exists right now is complex, but it doesn't, it's, it's not like the system that exists was not designed for people that work in tech, right? Like how many accountants do I replace with my set of skills? Right. Like we, we make the machines now. We don't, we don't, we're not the machines anymore. Right. And these laws and rules that apply to work applied to that type of, that type of work environment. But you haven't seen any of that shift when you have everybody being a knowledge worker. There's this like really interesting book called the bullshit jobs that, you should look, I think everybody should, <laughs> anybody that works in the, has ever worked in a large company or any, any company, honestly, um, should read because it's going to give you insight into like that, that, that little, you know how like you get this like internal feeling when you're working in a job and you're like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, what's the point of this? Why am I having three meetings a week with my toxic ass boss just so he can feel good that he's doing something? Like, I don't understand why? Because I know exactly what you're talking about when you're doing technical work and like you're getting a fucking phone call like every or, or like somebody asked for something and then that person told another person and then you got like fucking eight people messaging you because somewhat like because an executive wanted one number. Yeah. And that number hasn't been reported yet because fucking the date's not here. Right. Like <laughs> you got to there's like a, 
um, it, it's it's that type of shit. So in my mind, it's a combination of like the anxiety, right? Because you're trying to hit these things that someone who controls your livelihood is telling you that you need to do something. Um, what's what's funny is that again, like I mentioned, they're not aware of it because the system doesn't, it's not that they educate you on this shit. Like how do you yeah. become self-aware, right? Mm-hmm. How do you become self-aware? I, I have, I have tricks like I actually use with people to help them achieve that because yeah. that's actually what I, I feel like people need to understand. Like you're not thinking what you're thinking because you think so you're thinking, you're thinking what you're thinking because you're not thinking about it and you're just regurgitating something that someone told you. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll explain to you why, right? Like I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do a thing on it one day, but like, um, but the whole idea of, <sighs> I lost my train of thought, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I was like, shit, I almost had it and I lost it. Then it came back. And I was like, fuck, yeah. where was I going with this? Where was I going with this? What was it? What the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying not to go on a rant and actually get to the point. Um, so what was yeah, I just talking about? You're, you're talking about, um, now I feel like I forgot. <laughs> Because I just uh, called it, all right? You're talking, okay. One thing that, that st- stood out to me, you said there were, you know, companies that kind of, you're, you're working for them for your livelihood. Um, and then you're talking about how... Uh, that, Shitty know, managers. Shitty managers, essentially. Driven by a company, public company, capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. So capitalism. Un- so, okay. The example that came up in my mind when we were talking about that, I'll, I'll just, I'll explain that one is that I was actually talking to uh, someone that was pretty high up that they set a target of, of something and like a headcount target or, or something like that, right. Of like hiring or, or fostering development and that sort of stuff. And they didn't hit it and they were asking why. Right. And, what they had mentioned during that call, and this is like a lot of people that are pretty high up on the call, were saying that no one said that they couldn't do it, right? Like if you if you all need help I and mean, if it's not achievable, then then say something. And I actually, and during that call, I actually asked them why would they do that? Like why <laughs> would I, who's getting paid by you, tell you that I can't do something that you set an objective for? Like what incentive do I have to do that? Because I'm going to tell you this is what I need and you're going to tell me we don't have budget that I'm going to have to work with what I have. So why would I tell you I can't do something? It's better for me to just maybe try a little bit, even Mm -hmm. though I know it's not attainable. Like how is that going to work for my motivation, right? So instead of solving problems together, it is that authority that becomes the problem again, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and under the, with someone that is responsible, like it's, it can be a good thing, mm-hmm. but the problem is it's completely reliant on that person. Yeah. So if, if, the, if the system continues to, like if the way that things are set up continues to award the people that are the most aggressive and that are willing to make sacrifices, and I'm not just talking like, like oh, I'll, I'll just work an extra hour. I'm, I'm talking like I'm willing to like work my people into the ground so that I can hit the number. So I can move up, right? I don't know what it means. As long as it gets done, it doesn't matter to me. So I'm just going to put everybody on a salary and, yeah. you know, and then give you some equity package. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> like way fractional compared like a way yeah. a fraction of like whatever it is that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do the thing. And if you don't say anything, then that's on you. Right. Like it's, it's, it's again, justifying, yeah. but, but the way that things are set up continues to perpetuate that. And yeah. people don't really care to mm-hmm. understand that this is like a different type of environment than the one that had existed before, which if I'm working, so I do, I do like woodworking for fun, right? Like I do that for fun. And if I had to work an eight hour day doing woodworking, that's fine. Like I can handle that, right? Like I'm just in there just, you know, doing my thing. Sometimes I'll be like listening to some stuff while I'm like doing some like, you know, long tedious work or whatever. And sure, my body's like kind of beat up, but not like 
is it any less beat up if I sit in a chair for eight hours? Right. Like if you count the number of hemorrhoids that I get, is that any better than (laughs) (laughs) is that I'm just kidding. Kind of, but like, (laughs) but is that any, is that any better? (laughs) Yeah. People like, people are like, Oh, I can't believe you said that. Like like that has never happened to you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But like, is that any better? Right. Cause I, I, I joke about like why I, I work out so much and, and people ask like, if you're just doing a desk job, why do you train like the way you do? And I tell them it's so that I can sit down all day. Like seriously, yeah. man, that's so yeah. true. Yeah. Though. Yeah. yeah. It's so I can actually sit down all day and not have my body like fucking decay on me while I'm like, sitting here. And it's like broken, breaking down from my asshole, like all, yeah. all the way up. <laughs> Korean, Korean pro gamers, man. Like yeah, yeah. pro gamers are forced to hit the gym. Like that's part of their that's, contract. Wow, that's crazy. You have to. Yeah, because they have to stay to. healthy enough yeah. to freaking I mean, sit in front yeah. of that computer. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is. It is honestly. It's, it's a. It's it's tragic because like if you think about the things that that we we thought about in terms of like what tech could do for us, right? Like how it could accelerate our development. How it could, you know democratize like knowledge and information and all this stuff. And really it's been at the whim of um, this ideology that hasn't really benefited. Like it's, it's really skewed in terms of like who it's benefited and how it's benefited. Yeah. So, so kind of shift the subject slightly, but it's, it's, it's interesting that you pretty much portrayed and, and explained in good detail, fine detail about how in a way, companies and the upper management have this sort of economical power over um, their workers that are working for them, right? And, you know, that's something that I've been kind of processing for myself moving forward in my life. Um, I figure I, I don't want, I don't want to work. I realized, I think something I kind of recently processed, I don't want to work for a company just because I need that paycheck to live. Uh, I want to break that chain for myself. That, mm-hmm. And that, that may be different for everybody. That's fine. I understand. But at least for myself, I think one thing I, I kind of came to terms with and realized, it, even though my new job is fantastic, I love my new job and my mental health is in a way better place. And my coworkers are coworkers and well, effectively my boss is, is, you know, a lot more, um, you know, understanding of like life beyond work. Uh, Knowledge. Even man. though, even though, yeah, even though, that's that's held true for me. I realize I still I, I still don't want to be forced to work just because I needed to live to be able to eat and breathe and live in the place that I want to live in or whatever. Um, so it's, it's been on my mind a lot recently um, and trying to just process like how I can better take care of myself, my finances, my well, my life, so that I can set myself up to be in a position where. I'm not working because I needed to live, but I'm working because I actually just genuinely want to help the people around me or benefit society in, in some fashion. Um, that's the kind of place I want to be in my life. Um, and, and not to say that I still can't do that along my journey, but um, I want to be able to break that chain effectively that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. No, for sure, man. That, that's the whole eight hour workday thing, right? Uh, was that Ford? Yes. Uh, was that Henry Ford that, that came up with that? Um, it oh, was I like, think, yeah. I, I can't remember exactly. Maybe it was yeah, maybe. yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't remember. Um, but that idea came from like eight hours of work, eight hours of leisure, eight hours of rest, right? Or sleep. <laughs> but that doesn't even apply anymore. It's kind yeah. of, it's, it's kind of crazy that like that rule isn't even followed yeah. and that's not even enough because it's completely different way of working so yeah i think along with my job change i have a lot of shifts in perspective with my job change my move and my relationship status change as well but i think i think one of the big things i realize is with this new job i'm getting paid you know just as much if not a little bit more as same as my old job and and the effort i put in is a lot less like it, it's not it doesn't matter how hard i work I realized like it, that just, you know, if anything, that benefits the company more than it benefits myself in, in a sense, in some sense, um, there, there's definitely some break even point with that. And I think 
coming to terms with that, I realized like, man, I should, I, I kind of woke up and realized like, I need to take care of myself first and foremost. I, I need to make sure like my, my mental, you know, my physical health, you know, is, is, is good. I'm eating well, I'm going to the gym or whatnot. Um, then I could really in access, you know, use that energy that I gain from taking care of myself to, to work properly or whatnot. And that's like my new shift and my new priority in my life instead of working first to be able to do anything else in my life. Because there's been so many times I said no to hanging out with my friends or so many times where I use work as an excuse to not go to the gym or not get groceries to eat properly. Uh, my mindset is totally shifted now where I want to take care of myself first before I, before I, well, work so I can live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Like, um, I'm glad to hear that you're in a much better place. Thank you. I feel a lot of people tend to, uh, that, that do go through something like that will have that realization at some point mm -hmm. where you, you, you see the effects of having that level of imbalance, especially over a sustained period of time, yeah. um, like really as a detriment because it becomes yeah. like, quote unquote, normalized, like in, in your perspective, in your mind. And like at, at a certain point, like, and this has been my experience with it too, like you don't realize that you're having like a net negative effect on like your overall like well-being. Mm -hmm. and people, people laugh about that. Right. But so this, this gave me perspective, um, which was my, my parents actually saw like how I would work and they would be like, they, they actually felt bad. Right. Like they didn't say, they didn't say well, it too. They're fucking yeah. Asian too. So like they, yeah. they're like, well, at least you're not dead. Right. Like that's <laughs> right. Like that's like, uh, that's like the standard, <laughs> but, and, and a lot of our, our families come from like, you know, just like serious, like war and repression and, 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 you know, things that, that many of us haven't experienced, like at a, like a, a, a political, not just political, I mean, like a country, like a country level, right? Like, like um, having to have that or carry that trauma and stuff. But what my parents had, had kind of told me was I didn't have to do that. Which is a weird thing. I mean, like, yeah, I, I think it happens because I'm also like a fucking adult, and they know that if they told me like that I was being that I was being like weak or whatever, that I'd probably be like, uh, yeah, no, like that's that. Then now, now I'm now I'm gonna be standing up for myself. Uh, just a very, it's a very different dynamic. But like then, then when I was a kid. But I mean, the the realization that I think my parents had, like, as immigrants. To, to the US and then to see their kids having to do this in this like whatever is normal like whatever is seen as normal uh, in different circles right um, just for having status I think that realization especially with like democratizing like mental health right like if you if you research it it's out there it's like the information there's a lot of misinformation but but also really good information out there in terms of what type of effect this has um way i describe it is that like people forget your brain is a, is a physical structure like it's a physical part of your body yeah. it's not it's not necessarily like a separate thing you don't just <laughs> wish a structure away right and however that's wired or configured or designed is going to influence like your over like how you are and i got the sentiment that my parents didn't want that right for them of course they don't right like for for their kids that's not what they had envisioned also having to balance out that that with the idea that well we're not getting shot at or we're not getting like having our house taken away or any of that like you know just just war-stricken like colonizer type stuff dealing with any uh, that type of thing at scale, but it's, it's something to think about. I think it, it does say something that, um, for me and for, I think a lot of other parents too, that has seen their kids. <laughs> I, I say kids, like, as if we're still kids, cause we're, we're like whole ass adults now, but like <laughs> to see, to, to hear what they have to say about it now is, is a very different experience than, than what it was.
I think there is a, an element of normalizing it, but I'm I'm I, I'm seeing this as more of a trend kind of being disseminated across like just general. It's becoming general yeah. knowledge. Oh, yeah, um, sure. So that's that's that is reassuring. Your your story resonates with me. During COVID, like start our COVID, I I went home for a few months and lived with my at my parents' place. And as I was working there, my mom was like genuinely really worried about me. And even after the fact, when I went back, like she was like, I can't believe you work the way you do because I was just in my room all day, all night. I like, even when I was home, I was, I barely saw my parents. <laughs> like I was just working like insane, insane amount. And, and when I actually told my parents that I was thinking about quitting, they were, my mom was, I could tell she was really like, she was like, she didn't like seeing me work the way I was working. And, she was genuinely like happy in a sense, but uh, at the time we were kind of unsure where I was going to go next. So they were kind of worried about that. But besides that point, you know, they, my mom was happy that I, I was hopefully going to a better place, which, which I did thankfully, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that, that, that resonates with me a lot. And well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're at a, a much better place. I know we talked before you headed out several times about several different things. <laughs> But the different things, but it definitely does sound like you did get some clarity, uh, in terms of, you know, what you've identified was at least Mm -hmm. important enough to you to start exploring. Right. So Mm -hmm. what do you, uh, if you were to tell someone, Mm -hmm. cause there's a lot of people coming into this, like there's like a new, there's a lot of articles written about it, like new generation coming in and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, what is one thing that you think that they should know when they come in? Oh my God. That's so, uh, that's so broad and just one pinpoint. Just one. Right. If, yeah. I were to, if I were to pinpoint one thing, I, the, I think what came to my mind immediately was just, just no learning to say no, like learning to actually genuinely say, sorry, like I'm not going to take on this thing because I need some time for myself. Like I'm prioritizing yourself in that way um, when it comes to work specifically. And, um, and I think in that way you learn your limits as well. And then other people will respect you in that sense. Of, uh, of course, it's not easy. It's better, easier said than done. Um, but once you get in the habit of saying no, I think it, it becomes a part of you and people recognize that. And I think it's just a good thing to, to practice. There's a lot of power in saying no, actually. I really agree with that. Like saying no is really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. I don't, I, I think especially for like Asians. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, like and, and I'm sp- I'm speaking specifically like in a in a career environment, right? Like it's really yeah. hard for, for Asians, and yeah, I mean, being able to say it, not only just say no, but also mm. say it in like an elegant way, mm. Mm. is it is very powerful and is yeah. absolutely needed for someone to be able to protect themselves, like mentally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I. I'd add on, like, don't forget that you can go anywhere. Like, you can find another place. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, because I, I was just thinking, like, some people don't take no for an answer. Because I've been <laughs> in those situations where I'm like, right. where I've done, like, everything all the way up until the point of being like, fuck no. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you heard me say that. Like, no, we're not doing this yeah. right now. So, Yeah. There's, there's other places too. So no, that's, that's good advice, man. I totally, I, I totally think that that's a skill that needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, like, if you do it in college, I think you get kicked out, right? Like if you say no in college, they just fail you. Like that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of like, I mean, I don't say no to homework. <laughs> <laughs> you can just outsource it on Fiverr. I'm sure that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Saying no in your household, your parents would be like, you talk back to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> beat down with the sandal. <laughs> like no one uses the broom except for, <laughs> except for 
<laughs> a response to that. <laughs> uh, but Andrew, it may be too soon to ask this, but I'm just curious. Now that where you're at, would you still do engineering? Oh. And maybe maybe you haven't like you're still figuring that yeah. out, but I'm just curious. Like, mm-hmm. if you're able able to go back to college or or even high school, mm-hmm. based on your life experiences, do you think you you follow the same path? Dang, that is a tough question. I think that's definitely something I've not processed. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, I guess like coming to my mind. Uh, I, I would say, like, coming to my mind, there is some, I can't think of the right word, but some sort of, well, I would say, like, in a way, I was slightly lucky also within the fact that I was able to find a job right after school. Like, I worked for that and earned that, and and, and there's some prestige with that, I would say, for mm-hmm. me, luckily. Um, I know it's not the case for everyone, but... Um, but in the sense that, like, I, I did well in my studies with engineering, and I got into a quote-unquote big company and did well. Um, I'm, whether whether I want that label of being able to say I was an engineer and I went through TI, um, you know, it, it's a part of my life, and um, I think and I think there is some prestige with that. Um, so in, in that sense, and that honor, and being able to kind of say I went through a somewhat quote unquote rigorous course, which again, that's left up to interpretation as well. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's some merit to that. And I, I in some ways I, it pushed me as a person um, and it, 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 it helped develop me in a very analytical sense, I would say. Um, there's a lot of things surrounding, you know, just even outside of just engineering that helped me grow as a person overall. So, um, you know, in terms of my career and my development in that sense, um, picking a different major, I don't know. That, that's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> but I would say that, that yeah. I don't I don't fully regret my decision, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, I guess that's an answer. <laughs> yeah. To like change it. <laughs> I think it's like the, the sum of what makes us aware of those things is the fact that we've tried it and we've given it, yeah. given it a genuine effort. Yes. Um, even if yeah. it was as a result of like, not really <laughs> knowing what else that you wanted to do. I think that's fair. That's all part of the process. Yeah, so totally. Oh, that's cool, man. That's, that's all right. Life. Yeah. <laughs> true that. Thanks everybody for tuning into that episode. You were just listening to Andrew moon talk a little bit about his experience with work and school in this episode of after school and we hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk to you all again next time